Hello, this is Ryan Fritz with Science of Cardio, delivering the latest and greatest and the pros and cons of exercise science. Hello, Ryan Fritz here talking to you today about fasting, intermittent fasting, and time-restricted eating, and also prolonged fasts. Time-restricted eating is basically, you know, being thoughtful or having a timeline on when you eat. You might have a time restriction of eight hours in between meals. There's a 12-hour fast with a 12-hour eating window. You can have a 16-hour fast with an eight-hour eating window. Uh, there is such a thing called a 20-hour fast with a four-hour eating window. Uh, the research shows and states that we want to optimally have two meals a day with as long of fasts, you know, at the beginning or end of that. So ideally, a 20-hour fast with two meals. So after 20 hours, you have a meal. And then four hours later, you have another meal. That is kind of the optimal fasting or time-restricted eating protocol. And when you go one meal, your body can go into starvation. Obviously, you're going to get less calories, but your body uh, does some weird stuff with preserving, storing, and saving uh, nutrients and fat uh, because it's not sure if it's going to eat. Again, I would recommend doing these things periodically and or sporadically. Do not do these you know, daily back to back to back. Intermittent fasting is basically taking a break in between meals. Intermittent fasting, most people will have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So you're going to have three to four hours in between each meals. Then a prolonged fast would be more of, you know, going from dinner to breakfast. Everything's about perspective and where or kind of how you're looking at it and where you're thinking about time or the fasting. So I call intermittent fasting anything between 12 and 18 hours of non-eating. Some people may call three to four hours intermittent fasting. I would refer to prolonged fasts as 18 plus hours fasting or not eating. Uh, some people might call that 12 to 18 hours. There's no right or wrong, just uh, you know, what's the science behind what your body does, what your metabolism you know, goes into or uses for fuel. So a prolonged fast is typically 24 hours plus. So you're not eating or fasting for a long period of time. So another strategy is when breaking a fast, ideally you want to have a small meal for your first meal to start digestion and then have a second meal maybe an hour later. So this might be you just fasted for 20 hours and you're going to have a small low glycemic and low calorie meal to kind of jumpstart or get your nervous system and digestive system working and then you'd have a bigger more traditional meal uh, an hour or two hours after that jumpstart meal some examples of these kind of start the digestion process are these small meals so we have the non-keto example so rice cakes seaweed flakes they have iodine and low protein so non-keto example would be rice cakes seaweed flakes and a 
iodine-based low protein in a small amount, something like a, a shrimp, maybe three to four shrimp, um, or a very small steak, grass-fed, non-GMO, grass-finished. Another example, non-keto, uh, is having a like faux meal with rice noodles, maybe some shrimps or scallops, again, to get that iodine and selenium in your body to help with your hormones, and maybe some chicken or beef broth. A keto example would be bologna with low or non-sugar, a lean protein, no garlic and no onions that stimulates too much insulin. Another keto example of a small breakfast or break fast meal would be kind of coconut oil uh, or MCT oil, having that fat with a lean protein. Again, you can have a shake, you can have some small uh, healthy steak or meat. And then our vegan option is uh, teff grain, an egg white or pea protein shake and some Berries, again, berries have a little bit better digestible sugar than some other foods. There's a product called Keon. It's a chemical that lowers your blood glucose after a meal. And also, you can use apple cider vinegar that helps to lower blood glucose. Again, iodine and selenium influences the thyroid and stimulates certain thyroid production or processes. Some other recommendations that I have for fasting success is once a week, I try to do an 18 to 24 hour fast just to rest my nervous system and reset my digestive system. Um, I try to uh, intermittent fast so 12 to 18 hours, three times a week with no breakfast. I also try to stop or cut out snacking. So I want a four plus hour of intermittent fasting between meals. Ideally six hours is optimal. I also drink daily lemon juice, uh, apple cider vinegar. I have turmeric and another good thing to add is cinnamon. All these influence either insulin or lowering your blood pressure or help towards speeding up or stimulating your thermogenic effects. Another thing I recommend is seven to 10 cups of leafy greens per day. So having leafy greens, salad or celery, some kind of vegetables throughout the day at every meal, a lot of vegetables. Uh, sleep is huge, eight plus hours of sleep will help recovery. It'll help protein synthesis, help regrowth of tissues and cells. If you're going to snack some healthy snacks, coconut oil, MCT oil, is kind of a coconut oil you can add for flavoring. Avocados are super healthy. Uh, leafy greens is a good snack, low in calories, low or non-glycemic load. You want to try to reduce sugar intake as much as possible. Ketosis is a good way to do this. Uh, ketosis is trying to minimize the amount of sugar goes in your body. So little to no sugar, ideally less than 30 grams a day. Um, some people use 50 as their kind of benchmark, but decrease or lower that sugar intake as much as you can. Turmeric and curcumin every day. Uh, this helps with inflammation. Uh, the meat or protein that you consume should be non-processed. It should uh, come from the ground or grow on a tree or run. Organic is what I recommend or ideal. Uh, also, 
you need to be thoughtful about uh, grass-fed and grass-finished meat or protein products. Alcohol screws up fasting and weight loss. Um, it messes with your liver and fat storage, fat utilization. Your body has a really tough time with kind of knowing what to do as far as optimization for metabolism and weight loss. So cut out the alcohol if you can. Uh, the last meal of your day should have some kind of healthy fat, again, to give you fuel while you're fasting. So some examples, MCT oil, DHA, so you can take you know fish oil pills or something like that. Avocados, again, they will give you fuel, they will satiate, they will trigger and tell your brain that you are full until your next meal. Sodium and potassium work together. Sodium is a stimulant and potassium is a relaxant. They balance each other out. Also, magnesium is a relaxant and calcium is a stimulant. So magnesium and calcium work together, again, as a balance to balance each other out. And there's a lot of good information out on the internet about this that is supporting kind of benefits of fasting and different fasts different lengths of fasts. There's also some caveats that I've noticed with clients that makes it challenging or a little bit harder to have success with. So hopefully I can bring some light into the world of fasting and give you some more insight on what to do, what to avoid, uh, benefits, you know, the cons, the pros, solutions, recommendations. So getting into it, talking about the pros of fasting, intermittent fasted, time-restricted eating, and prolonged fasts. Obviously, the reason people fast, um, when you think of fasting, you think of, well, I'm not eating any calories. That is, you know, restricting my calories, less calories per day, or maybe over time. So obviously, you think of weight loss. Uh, it does happen because you are reducing the number of calories going into your system. Uh, another reason why uh, it helps with losing weight is because you're letting your nervous system in your digestive tract or your intestines relax. Uh, most people do not let those relax. They wake up, they have breakfast, then they have you know a snack, then lunch, then another afternoon snack when they're feeling tired, then they have dinner, then they have dessert, uh, or watching a movie they have popcorn. So they're constantly stimulating their body to create digestion. This constant intake of food, calories, uh, sugar, stimulates hormonal processes that start the digestive system. Uh, food for thought, we need to rest your digestive system periodically. It is not good to constantly fill up you know, with food and adding stimulus to your GI tract, your digestive system, your intestines, also your hormonal system. So we need to give it a break. A great thing that happens with intermittent fasting or prolonged fast, your body goes from a sugar or a glucose energy system. What happens when you fast is obviously you don't have anything coming in. So it depletes or uses all of the glucose stores, then the glycogen stores in your muscles and liver. And then from that, it goes into fat usage or fat metabolism. So that's what we want to get. That's why we fast. 
And those are, you know, the reasons or the processes that have to happen in order to get to fat metabolism. Uh, that usually happens at about 13 hours of fasting. You start diving into fat metabolism. So another cool thing is called autophagy. Autophagy is kind of killing or depleting, getting rid of the damaged or weak, crappy or dead cells in your body. So this is a kind of a recycling or vacuum or kind of cleaning of your blood system. So we need to do that. So when you don't consume things, that uh, process can happen. Uh, they've also had some really interesting studies that date or show uh, human growth hormone increases 12 to 18 hours after fasting. Again, we're trying to switch from that carb energy usage to fat metabolism. So I'll go into kind of the timeline of fasting, and these are, you know, all good benefits. So let's dive into that. So at about 13 hours, you start getting into fat metabolism, or your body starts using fat as energy sources because it has gone through or depleted glucose stores, sugar stores. Uh, it's used everything up in your stomach, and it's needing fuel and if there's no glycogen or glucose then your body goes to another source fat is a great source our body is a awesome machine or computer that basically preserves itself from dying so if you overeat or eat a lot of food your body will use what it needs and then it will store the rest for later so the example I always use is, you know, you're stranded on an island, you know, and you don't have a lot of food available. So your body will kind of eat the fat as a source. The problem with the uh, culture and society today that we have is we never get into that starvation mode or fat metabolism. We just kind of keep filling up the tank and we never burn off the fuel and we keep filling up the tank. We never... Um, give it a break, rest it, or use that fat energy system. So 13 hours fat metabolism. When we get into 18 hours of fasting, your body goes into autophagy. Again, it's kind of the cleaning up of the dead cells. They use wasted cells in your body. Um, very important. Uh, we need to do this on occasion. Uh, after that, at 24 hours, you see a big decrease in inflammation. So arthritis starts to calm down. Um, cellular inflammation, nerve inflammation, all those things start to decrease. So pretty powerful info about kind of that longer fast. Uh, then 36 hours you see kind of protein sparing. So again, human growth hormone goes up significantly to protect your body from tearing down muscle tissue. So it's a protective mechanism your body has to preserve muscle. So um, they found that up to about 48 hours, your body will save or kind of maintain its muscle tissue. And after 48 hours, then it will start getting into kind of that protein usage. I usually try to do a 24-hour fast once a month. So, But again, there are benefits. So getting into more medical um, type of prolonged fast. So 48 hours, you have a lot of stem cell production uh, increase. You have decreases in cancers, so the cancer cell gets starved of sugar and nutrients. Uh, cancer and oxygen don't like each other. Cancer likes sugar, so if you can deplete that out of your body when you do have cancer, 
um, that will help out that process. Also, kind of that 48-hour mark, you see a big uptake in mitochondrial density, and uh, the powerhouse of the cell becomes uh, a lot more energized. And then at 72 hours, you have the stem cell production increase, and also your immunity goes up significantly. So those are all pros, benefits to fasting. You know, longer you fast, you get different benefits. Um, ideally, kind of that 12 to 18 hour window, you start seeing some pretty good benefits. Again, over 48 hours, you have um, potential protein or muscle usage. Um, again, depending on your goals and what you want or need, you can use those timelines to access different goals. So we'll get into the cons of fasting. So the biggest thing that I uh, talk with clients about is they say, oh, well, you know, I'm hypoglycemic or am I, I'm going to pass out if I don't eat. Uh, I don't think I could fast. You know, it's really tough. It's really hard. Uh, the best recommendation I can say is try it. I use a meter called a ketone uh, mojo meter and it takes blood. So I prick myself and I get blood work. Um, I can look at my glucose levels and I can also look at my ketone levels. So ketones are that fat metabolism your body produces ketones when it doesn't have sugar and it uses fat as energy. So I have a meter that I can check that. Um, I've noticed that at about 22 hours, uh, my body is the highest in ketosis. And after that, uh, my ketone levels start to come down. So my body is adapted at the current moment at kind of that 22 hour mark. So getting that data and getting that blood sample really helps me to figure out, okay, well, what's the ideal time for me to fast? Do I need to be fasting for 36 hours? Am I getting benefit from it? Should I maybe do less of that? Is it really, you know, something I need to monitor or change the length of my fasts? Um, getting to the cons, obviously, I just talked about the 48 hours. You know, we have some muscle loss. That's kind of a, you know, a challenge if you're trying to put on muscle tissue. I think if you do it you know, periodically, it's not going to be the end of the world. I have found that it's mind over matter when you are fasting. Your stomach gets uncomfortable. <laughs> you, your brain uh, tells you to eat food and you kind of have to work through that. Your body will go for a long period of time without food. Um, it will not go through a long period of time without water, so that is something you need to take into consideration. But food, you know, you can go, you know, weeks without food as long as you have water. So there was a medical study done, I think it was in England. They had a obese, I think it was a morbidly obese person, 300 plus pounds. Uh, they did a medical fast for I think it was like 350 or 360 days, so almost a year, just shy of a year. And the person, uh, the patient, did not eat any solid food for almost a year. Now the doctors monitored and gave them supplements uh, throughout this process. I think at the beginning they had kind of challenges uh, with the electrolytes 
and some of the vitamins and nutrients. But anyways, this person lost 150 pounds uh, from not eating anything. Again, medical supervised kind of case study, um, but food for thought. Uh, you know, obviously if you're gonna do something for a long period of time, talk to your doctor before you get into it. So let's get back to the cons. So side effects of fasting, uh, people have noticed that they feel cold when they're fasting. And what that is, is it's a conversation between the white fat cells and the brown fat cells. So your body's kind of confused, it's trying to switch uh, into different energy and create heat. So our body gets heat from brown fat cells. So it wants to convert that fat into an energy source. Um, that is a sensation that people get. Also, one thing I've noticed, and I hear a lot of people, is headaches. So the reason that you get headaches when fasting is typically because your electrolyte balance is off. So sodium, magnesium, potassium, zinc, water, those kind of all those uh, minerals, nutrients, they get out of whack. Uh, I have found that usually sodium is a huge culprit of why we get headaches. So uh, I encourage you to learn, read up, and get some more info about your electrolytes and what drives kind of what sensations. Uh, there are certain electrolytes like magnesium that relaxes your nervous system. There are electrolytes like sodium or salt that stimulate your nervous system. So they work in conjunction and can do different things. These electrolytes that I just discussed help with nerve and muscle synapse contractions. So if you get cramps, you know, the, the old story was, oh, you're low on potassium, eat a banana. Um, usually it's a dehydration thing. Your body's depleted of potassium. Uh, some other side effects that people notice is bloating. Usually they're eating a lot of vegetables and they have a high fiber diet. So this messes with the gut biome or balance and they'll notice a lot of bloating with longer fasts. The last thing is sleeplessness. People have trouble sleeping or can't stay asleep. Usually the kind of help or fix for this is they're not getting enough protein. So you might want to look at your protein intake. Um, and you may want to think about bumping that up. So some solutions for intermittent fasting is I usually recommend people to intermittent fast every other day, okay? The person, patient, or client to be spontaneous and sporadic with their fasting. If you go multiple days or a lot of days fasting, your body is gonna go into starvation mode it is going to start saving fat because it thinks it's dying. Just like strength training, just like cardiovascular training, we have to create a challenge or stress to your body. We have to rest it, let it recover, then stress it again. Then we do that frequently a couple times a week, and we do that over time, that creates adaptation. So nutrition is the same principle or concept. We want to challenge your body every other day to create this caloric deficit, then you go back to normal, then you decrease your caloric deficit another day, then you go back to normal. Um, I have noticed that people plateau with their weight loss when they start fasting too much 
or uh, too frequently. So that is good or great insight on maybe a plateau. Um, obviously, if you hit kind of your ideal body weight, you're going to be optimal. So there's a point of diminishing returns where you can't go super low. And again, this is all balance. You know, talk to a doctor, talk to a nutritionist, talk to somebody that's experienced it. You have to experiment with it. You know, it's definitely a challenge, uh, just like, you know, running a marathon or a 10K or strength training, you're trying to push your body. Sometimes I will go maybe two days where I fast and then I'll take a day off. You know, it just, you know, the idea is to change and stimulate your body, challenge it in different ways. Another thing I recommend is to do a 24 to 36 hour fast monthly. There are no specifications or guidelines for this. Um, I have played around with a lot of different options with fasting 24 hours once a week, um, every couple weeks, uh, once a month. I definitely think that it is important to rest your stomach, rest your gut, uh, rest your digestive system and your nerves in your digestive system. So I highly encourage or recommend at least once a month you're doing a 24-hour fast and then you can play around with different options with that depending on your goals, how much weight you're trying to lose, how you feel, if it's really challenging. Always do a progression, start small and build and go you know, maybe a little bit more over time. Don't jump right into the deep end, kind of test the waters a little bit. So some other uh, solutions is black coffee with no sugar does not affect your fasting, so uh, there's no negative side effect. It doesn't kick you out of ketosis. Also, green tea does the same thing. It actually, black coffee and green tea increase or intensify the fasting and fat metabolism. So I highly encourage if you do green tea or black coffee with no sugar, that will actually help stimulate, and that's uh, the caffeine boosts ketones and also helps with fat usage. Good recommendations, that might be a solution if you're struggling with a 24-hour fast. You can go to black coffee with no sugar, no dairy, no creamer, or a green tea. Recommendations, so things that do not break a fast are things that don't have calories, so you're trying to look for no calories. I usually have green tea in the morning with apple cider vinegar. Apple cider vinegar reduces or lowers your insulin levels. Uh, that's kind of my breakfast go-to. I do not like coffee. Uh, if you do like coffee, recommend, you know, no sugar, no creamer, just straight black. Salt is another thing that doesn't break a fast. Electrolyte water. Again, the premise is zero calories, minimal stimulus to your body. Uh, cinnamon has a metabolic kind of need or demand, uh, kind of speeds up your metabolism. Again, no calories. So when you are fasting, it is important to be cognizant of breaking your fast. Uh, when you have breakfast or aka break fast, uh, it is important to not mix carbs and fat. Um, basically, when you have your first meal after fasting, your body is super insulin sensitive, so your body wants to absorb any nutrients that it can get. So avoid or stay away from mixing carbs and fats, 
essentially the carbs open up your cells and the fats get pulled into the cells. So if you're trying to put on fat, that is the recommendation. Uh, have carbs and fats. The American diet is very heavy carbs and high fats. If you think of McDonald's, you have this high carb, lots of calories, high fat content. So um, stay away from that. Usually kind of the breakfast that I'll do is I will have a low glycemic carb with a protein. So an example might be a clementine orange with a protein shake. And then I'll have also kind of my vitamins uh, to go with that. Again, your body's very absorbent when you break a fast. So hopefully that's helpful to you and uh, be thoughtful about what you're eating. You can have fat and protein. You can have protein with carbs, but you do not want to have carbs and fats. Okay, also another good recommendation is keep strength training. Uh, this will help preserve the muscles. Um, again, if you fast for a long period of time, human growth hormone will go up. So after fasting, it's good time to strength train because you have this higher kind of growth hormone in your body. So that's uh, an advantage that you can use to help you build muscle tissue. At the end of a fast, you can have salt water a couple hours before you break your fast. And there's a, a hormone that gets stimulated. Um, it's called aldosterone. Uh, also, cinnamon lowers blood sugar. Iodine or shellfish, things like shrimp, pea protein. Uh, you can have a lean, organic, grass-fed, grass-finished beef. Um, these things have zinc, which really help stimulate the thyroid that gets your hormones kind of doing its thing. So that's what I use to help lower cortisol and stimulate uh, hormonal processes in my body when breaking a fast. So if you don't want to do a protein shake, you can have you know, shrimp with seaweed flakes, coffee, or green tea. So that's a good start to your day. Some other helpful things is you want to eat high fat, high protein going into a fast. So your last meal of the day you want to have a little bit higher fat content. Me personally, I use um, MCT oil or have an avocado with some sort of protein for dinner. Uh, that fat will trigger kind of usage or fat metabolism as you go into ketosis. So your body's going to fuel off of whatever you eat last. Most people have high carb dinners and their body fuels off of carbs. It never gets into fat mode. When you wake up, you're really hungry because it hasn't had the proper nutrients that it needs and they overeat uh, the first meal or breakfast of the day. So the best strategy to help that out is put a little bit more healthy fat in your dinner to help you get through and also help with fat metabolism. Uh, another good breakfast or first meal is bone broth, uh, soups. Those things get digested easier and absorbed. Again, I talked about MCT oil. There is a chemical called C8 that increases ketones. So I highly recommend MCT. That is a medium chain triglyceride. Uh, it is better broken down. And again, it helps with ketosis and fat metabolism. And then again, as I mentioned before, seaweed snacks, uh, I get some seaweed 
uh, flakes at Trader Joe's. I think you can get it at Whole Foods. You can get it um, on Amazon. So those uh, are good detoxifiers. So seaweed helps clean out your liver. It will help with the glycogen stores. And obviously if we have a clean filter or clean liver, our body will run optimally and it will clean and process garbage out and can detoxify our body. I want to thank you for listening to today's discussion about fasting, intermittent fasting, prolonged fasts. Hopefully you got some great information and strategies or ideas for ways for you to kind of optimize your body composition through using fat metabolism instead of glucose metabolism. Uh, So again, thank you for listening. Our next topic that we're going to be discussing is similarities and differences of strength and cardio exercise. Have a good one.